Real quick survey. I like to survey the room and do this a little bit on Sunday night. How many people are like you're South Carolinian? You were kind of born here, okay? How many people, you're a transplant? You've escaped from another country. Um, yeah, like California. Uh, like you, so somebody asked me who, who relocated recently, they said, what's, the, what's one of the best things about living in South Carolina? And um, I just, I mean, there's lots of good stuff, but the first thing that popped in my mind is we have all four seasons. We really do. We get to experience a little bit of winter, summer, spring, and fall. And for me, I don't have a favorite season. My favorite season is whatever's coming next. So right now, pretty excited about the fall. Wake up in the morning, I take the dogs out, and it's a little crisp in the air, and, and you, the leaves are starting to change, and some of you are mountain people. How many of you go to the mountains to see the leaves? Okay, yeah, that's great, that's great, that's great, but don't, don't ask me because I don't want to go, and I don't want to go pick apples because that, I'm not paying money to pick apples because I think that's stupid. That's just me, but hey, let me give you money to go pick your apples. Hello. So anyway, um, so I, I love the fall. I love football. I love all those things, but I kind of miss summer because when summer shows up, I love going to the beach. Despite the sharks, I, I love going to the beach. How many beach people do I have? You love the beach. Now, one of the most awesome things about the beach is getting up early in the morning and going for a walk. And if you go to Myrtle Beach, it's easy because most people are hammered and they're not out on the beach in the morning. So you can, it's, it's easy, it's not crowded. So you can walk down the beach and it's, it's pretty peaceful. I feel so close to God when I'm just listening to the waves come in and all this stuff. So let's say, let's pretend that we're going, we're, we're, we're walking on the beach, me and you, and you're closest to the water because of the, the shark attack potential. So, but we're walking down the beach and we walk up on a sandcastle. And we're, nobody's around. This is all we see. We don't see anybody going, hey, I made this. Nobody signed it, no, nothing. We just see that. And I, I say, man, there must have been a storm last night. You say, why do you say that? I'm like, well, it's the only explanation for this sandcastle. It, it's obvious there was a storm last night and it might've even been a hurricane, I don't know, but like there was, there was wind and there was waves and there was chaos. And when all of this chaos got finished and it moved away, it produced this sandcastle. And I think that's how it got here. Many of you would say, it's time for you to go to round two of rehab, right? Because that's not how that happened. It's obvious, it's obvious somebody designed that. Am I correct? Yes or no? Yeah, somebody designed that. You can tell because it's got design features, just like a wedding cake. I was thinking the other day, I have either, either been in, attended, or officiated over 150 weddings. That kind of makes me an expert. I cannot recall one single wedding that I ever have been to where people left talking about how the cake tasted because it don't matter how it tastes. Matter how it matters how it looks. By the way, for the men in the room, I have daughters. The average wedding in America today is $27,000. That right there is going to set you back a grand. Thinking about opening up Pastor P's cakes. There we go. But when you walk into a wedding and you see this, nobody goes, oh my gosh, is everybody okay? What do you mean? Well, there's obviously an explosion in a bakery. And when, when the thing exploded, the eggs and the milk and the flour and the sugar and everything just went crazy. And, um, and then when the smoke cleared, 
there was a cake. Nobody thinks that because you can see the, the design. See those flowers? Those, that, that's an extra 250 bucks. But those flowers, like somebody designed that. Can we all agree that there's a designer behind this cake? Yes or no? Now, I needed for all the men to feel good, so the, we'll talk about a car engine for a second. There's a car engine, and in the car engine, you've got like spark plugs, you've got the engine block, you've got pistons, and please don't be impressed because I had to Google what's in a car engine because I don't know what's in a car engine. Now, I'm a man. Like, if my car broke down, this is what men in the South do. When, when our cars break down, if you're just relocated, this is what you can do. You get out of your car, you open up the hood, you take two steps back, you look pensive, and you go, hmm. Sooner or later, somebody will join you and go, hmm, looks bad. And, and then, then, then that guy will probably know how to fix it or have a cousin named Bubba that can show up and help you. But nobody looks at that and goes, it's unbelievable. That explosion in the auto parts store was unreal. And when the explosion got finished, it produced that car engine. Nobody thinks that. We can look at that and, and tell that someone intentionally put that together, yes or no? And all I'm trying to say is when we see design, we know there's a designer behind it. Some designers actually sign their name to stuff and you pay extra because they put their name on that thing, right? So with all that in mind, I wanna share two verses with you tonight. And if, I'm, I'm gonna go this far. If these two verses are not true, then it kind of crumbles the foundation of our faith as followers in Christ a little bit. But if these two verses are true, then we have to pay attention to everything else the scriptures say. They're real simple. The first one is Genesis 1.1. Now, typically, if I'm gonna read through the Bible, I'll hit Genesis 1.1 and I'm like, yeah, I got that. But I wanna slow down and look at this verse tonight and see what it's saying because it said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, that, that is loaded. The heavens. Like, I had no idea what that meant when I first read through that verse. And most of us, and, and to be fair, we, we don't think about that because we, you know, we have our daily lives. But, but you could almost say, and you're gonna see why I'm saying this in a second, you could almost say, in the beginning, God created. Created and designed kind of have the same thing going on, right? Can you say the wedding cake was created, the engine was created, the sandcastle was created? So in the beginning, God designed the universe. God designed everything, and, and he, he did a pretty good job. But the author of Genesis goes on to say this, and this is kind of fascinating. He said, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So in other words, you could almost argue that God not just created human beings, but God designed human beings in his own image. In other words, you are designed in the image of God. Just a side note, anytime you say something negative about yourself, you're saying something negative 
about God because you were creating it. Anytime you say, I'm so stupid, I'm so dumb, I'm such an idiot, that's actually not just you demeaning yourself, but that's you demeaning someone who was created in the image of God. Amen. So knock that off, all right? So, so if, you're gonna, if you're gonna take these two verses, I think the challenge for us is to look out and to look in. To look out, God created the heavens and the earth, and to look in how God created human beings. And I love what the psalmist writes in Psalm 19, verse one, where he says this, the heavens proclaim, like they're screaming, they're shouting, the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. God is an incredible, incredible artist because he can make some of the most beautiful things. When you stand in the desert, if you've ever been to the desert at night, you really can see the stars this clearly. And if you're standing on earth, you're looking out at, this is called the Milky Way. I'll get more into that in just a second. That's like the galaxy that we're in. I, I, I just learned that in case I was ever on Jeopardy, but this is, this is somebody looking at the, at the Milky Way. And when you begin to consider everything that God's created, you, you go, well, we'll start with the basics for me because I got to start basic. We'll talk about the sun. Now, I started doing a little bit of research this week and actually for about the past month and tried to figure out how to explain the power of the sun. There's all kinds of stats and stuff. And by the time I was done with it, I needed a mind diaper because I was like, my, like my brain was falling out my ears. But I'll just basically say this, you know the power of the sun. How many of you have ever had a sunburn? Yeah, you know the power of the sun, right? Every, every year I go to the beach, every year, every year, you see the pink family. They come in and the whole family's burnt because mama forgot the sunscreen at Walmart, okay? Because she was trying to get out of there without killing somebody and the whole family's pink. Or have you ever put sunscreen on and you missed a spot? You got the burn hand mark right here on the back of your, yeah, 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 yeah. Here's what's amazing about the sun and its power. The sun is 93 million miles away. 93 million miles away. Think about our solar system. There we are. Mercury, Venus, Earth, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Wish they would have thought that one through a little bit, but <laughs> Neptune and then Pluto. Listen, I know we live in cancel culture, but we're not canceling Pluto. We're keeping him. Here's what's fascinating when you look at the solar system. Only one of these planets can sustain life. I've had people ask me, how do you, how do you explain that, Pastor P? It's very simple. In the beginning, God created the heavens those all get put in one category. And the earth, well, it gets a category of its own. Why? Because it's the only planet that can sustain life. It's located in what's called the Goldilocks zone. It's just right. Because if we're any closer to the sun, we burn. If we're any further away from the sun, we freeze. The earth, if you think about it, is fascinating. 
We're tilted on a 23 and a half degree axis. If that axis is tilted a half a degree in either direction, this planet cannot sustain life. We are rotating right now. We slowed it down a little bit, but we're rotating at a thousand miles an hour. You alter that speed in any direction and the planet cannot sustain life. We're rotating around the sun at 67,000 miles per hour. You alter that speed in any direction and this planet cannot sustain life. It's almost like, it's almost like God created the heavens and he created the earth intentionally so we would have a place to get to know him. Now, I know people walked in tonight, maybe you, you're weighed down by some problems and some issues. For me, every once in a while, I'll just have to go and look at stuff like this because it reminds me of my problems. Sometimes they seem big, but they're not that big because when you compare the size of the earth to the size of the sun, this is what you get. We're that little, that little bitch, that little bitty white speck right there. All of a sudden, I'm like, man, I'm, I'm actually pretty small. Here's what's fascinating. The sun is just one of the millions or even billions of stars in our galaxy. It's not even the biggest. In fact, if you compare the size of the sun to other stars in our own galaxy, our sun is right here on, if you're looking at it, far left side, that little bitty speck. If you go one, two, three, four, five, six, that star right there, that's called Betelgeuse. It's a fact. I'm not, I'm not trying to be funny. It's called Betelgeuse. I just, and it made me think of the 80s movie and it made me happy because it was kind of funny. But th these, are the, these are just some of the stars in our universe. And if the sun is as powerful as it is, imagine how powerful these are. Like I said, there's millions and billions of stars in the galaxy called the Milky Way. Now, just so you know, we are in the Milky Way galaxy. And you might ask, Pastor P, how many galaxies are there in the universe? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Scientists have narrowed it down to between 100 million and 200 million, I'm sorry, 100 billion or 200 billion galaxies. I'm like, y'all giving yourself a little latitude there, aren't you? When are you gonna do it, Pastor P? Either tomorrow or 2028, I'm not sure. Like, the, like a lot of latitude there. But, but when you look at the galaxies, when you look at the Milky Way galaxy, we're, we're like right there. There's between 100 billion and 200 billion galaxies with billions of stars in each galaxy. And God just spoke it into existence. If you ever doubt the power of God's word, just look at the heavens. Now, I love, I love the Hubble telescope because you can go online and Google some of these images. And some of the images that the Hubble telescope have captured are absolutely amazing. Some of the things that this thing is discovered in space. One of, one of my favorite things is the, the, it's called the Hourglass Nebula. Have you ever felt 
you're by yourself, but have you ever felt like you're being watched? Anybody ever felt like that? Maybe this is why, because this is what the hourglass nebula looks like. And it's 8,000 light years away. Now, we, we say that because, I mean, I talk in light years all the time because I'm a Star Wars fan. We're going to travel some light years. But when I really started understanding what a light year is and trying to break it down, we can't really comprehend it. This is 8,000 light years away. And for those, I mean, I know I probably got one person tonight going, what is a light year, Pastor P? Well, you came to the right place because a light year, light travels 186,000 miles per second. Now, I like to go fast, but dang. It travels 11,160,000 miles per minute, 669 million miles per hour, and 5.88 trillion miles per year. That means if we got in a spaceship and we took off at the speed of light and we flew at 5.88 trillion miles per year, it would take us 8,000 light years to reach that hourglass nebula. There's other galaxies close to us. Now, this isn't the closest one to us, but I think it's the coolest closest one to us. It's called um, the Andromeda Galaxy. It's 2.5 million light years away. In the beginning, God created the heavens. Now, is it just me? Or does it look like that was designed? I mean, you, you could, like, literally, I got lost Googling Hubble telescope images. And I went out 28 million light years on my computer. Um, I went out 28 million light years, and there's a galaxy. This one took my breath away called the Sombrero Galaxy. Guess NASA's into cultural appropriation, so we gotta call it the Sombrero Galaxy. But it is that it, to me is just breathtaking. But the one that got me, and I saw this several years ago, and I've never gotten over it. There's a galaxy not too far from this. This is 28 million light years out. This is 31 million light years out. Now we can't even wrap our mind around 31 million light years. Can we all agree that's pretty far? Say yes. Okay. And when the Hubble discovers a galaxy, they'll take that, that big telescope and they'll focus in on certain things and they'll look at certain things at different angles. And one of the things they did, they always love to do, is they love to take the, the Hubble telescope and put it on the center of a galaxy and take a picture of what the center looks like. And when they did this at NASA, they were a little blown away and they didn't know what to call it. So they called it the X feature at the center of the Whirlpool Galaxy. But you tell me what it reminds you of. 31 million light years away. It's almost like, it's almost like Jesus is saying, you can't outrun me. You, you, can, you can travel 31 million light years away from my will and I will still meet you there because my love is greater and higher and stronger and better than anything this world has to offer. 
Now, I know what some of y'all are thinking. You're like, I came for a sermon, not a science class. Well, number one, glad you're here, kind of. Number two, let's, let's talk about, well, let's talk about you. At the end of the day, come on, m- most of us, that's our favorite subject. We talk about us. So we'll, we'll talk about us by talking about what a miracle you are. I mean, some of y'all aren't smiling at me right now, so I'll get you to smile. <laughs> we don't know who ba- whose baby that is. We just bought a stock picture, but that's a, that's a, can we agree that's a cute baby? All babies are cute. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. No, they're not. I'm just going to leave it right there. But it's a miracle. It's a miracle that a baby is even born. When you break down the odds of a baby being born, we've done this before, but I want to do it because I had to go look it up again just to remind myself. The odds of being born, the odds of being struck by lightning are one in 700,000. Now, those odds are a little bit greater for me because if there's a thunderstorm, I'll actually go outside and sit in it. I want to watch it. I'm, so if I ever go out by lightning, I was, I, listen, I was sober. I just wanted to watch the thunderstorm, okay? Next one's kind of tricky. The odds of getting attacked by a shark are 1 in 11.5 million. Some of the, y'all would push back and say, that, that's where you're being ridiculous. See, Pastor P? And I would say, uh-uh. Somebody's got to be the one. It ain't going to be me. Your odds of winning the lottery are one in 175 million. Now, we're in the house of God where we're all just feeling the freedom, to be honest. I'm just kind of curious tonight with everybody confessing the truth or God will strike us with lightning. How many people would just admit that you have at least purchased one lottery ticket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The rest of y'all are liars. You are liars. <laughs> liars. I ain't into gambling. Got your money in the stock market? We'll just deal with that another time. That's, I'm just having fun. That's not gambling. No, it, it really is. Our entire economy is based on gambling. So just, hmm. But the odds of being born are one in 400 trillion. Odds of you. There's a greater, you're more likely to get struck by lightning and get eaten by a shark and win the lottery at the same time than you are being born. Hey, listen, if your mom hadn't gone to Tequila Tuesday, you would not be here. It's a miracle that you're even here. And when you talk about the human body, did, did, did we all say that design implies designer? Can we all agree with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that in mind, how many think, Cole, you can't answer this because you know. How many think that the human body has enough blood vessels in it to go from here to Atlanta? Just raise your hand. Here to Atlanta, maybe, okay? Here to Texas, raise your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some of y'all like that. Blood vessels couldn't go to Atlanta? You're right, it could go to Atlanta and back, and Atlanta and back. In fact, the human body has over 100,000 miles of blood vessels in it. 
And right now, blood's just blowing. None of us are having to think about it. Nobody's sitting here going, blood flow, blood flow. It's just flowing. 100,000 miles. Have you ever bought something, you got it out of the package, you couldn't get it back in there? Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine 100,000 miles of blood vessels in a human body? Well, I'm just saying that you're going to have to really stretch to get me to believe that that is the result of an explosion that over billions of years produced some primordial soup. Design implies designer. The human brain is one of the most powerful supercomputers in the world. I mean, I... When I started reading about the brain and studying about the brain, there's so many facts, but one of them, that we, our brain processes daily information 10 to the 24th power. Now, to most people, like me, that means nothing. So I was like, what is that? What, what can you do to compare 10 to the 24th power? In other words, our brain processes more information in a day then you can find in all of the world's libraries combined. Accident or design? I mean, when you think about how the bones in a human body work together, and I, I don't know if you've ever broken one of these things, but it hurts. I broke my nose one time. Different. I've never told that story and don't know that I ever will. But when a human being is born, they have around 300 bones in their body and many of those bones fuse. And by the time we're fully grown, we have around 200, 202 bones in the body that all work together. But what blew my mind is when I started looking at DNA. I mean, y'all. Okay, first of all, we have 37.2 trillion cells in our body. It's a lot of cells. And every one of those cells has about 90 strands of DNA. Now, if you were to say, I'm going to create one strand of DNA, that'd be a full-time job. In fact, in order to create one strand of DNA, you would have to type a word a minute, eight hours a day, every day for 50 years to create one strand of DNA. And there's eight of them in every human cell and there's 37.2 trillion cells in the human body. In other words, we got enough DNA in our bodies to go from here to the sun and back six times. Oh, and by the way, everybody's DNA is unique. Your DNA is what makes you you. Nobody else on the planet has your DNA, not your exact DNA. Cosmic explosion by, by random and chance or divine design by the creator of the universe. I mean, I could, I could go on and on and on, but we all can agree. In fact, we said at the beginning, if we're gonna say that this had a designer and this had a designer and this had a designer, then we've got to, and, and this had a designer, has a designer, then you've got to admit that God designed you. Yeah. 
He designed you. Custom made you. Now, I am just like you. There are times when I get down and I'm like, okay, well, if that's true, why? Why did you make me? Why did... Why did I, why couldn't you have made somebody else? Because we all go through tough times and we get stressed and we get stressed out. We question and we doubt, we disbelieve. Okay, Pastor P, that's great. God designed everything. God designed the universe. God designed me. Why did he create me? I'm glad you asked because Paul answers in his letter to a church in Ephesus when he said in Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's master. He didn't say you are God's accident. You are God's mess up. You are God's oops. Nope. You are God's masterpiece. And do you want to know why he created you? What's right here in the verse. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. God created us to do good things, but we don't get those good things apart from a connection with Christ. I know people that have spent their life trying to get good things from this world and the the world can give us temporary pleasure, but it cannot give us peace and fulfillment and hope. Only through a connection with Christ do we find those things. And that's why he created you. Now, somebody's going to push back and they go, well, if he created me for good things, this is a little too late for that. No, it's not. 31 million light years away, he's got a cross going, you can't outrun me. Pastor people, what about within? I mean, I know the cross is out there. Well, I'll kind of start shutting it down tonight by telling you that years ago, I heard about this thing called laminin. I thought it was a new car or something. And they're like, no, 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 no. You need to go research this stuff. And it's basically the glue in the human body that holds our cells together. Now, considering I have 37.2 trillion cells, I'm glad something's holding them together. It'd be pretty embarrassing to be out in the lobby and drop a couple thousand cells. Wouldn't, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like all of our cells are being held together right now by this thing called laminin. We didn't, and most People didn't even know what laminin was when you walked in the door tonight. But, but what's mind-boggling, it's 31 million light years away. You have the X feature at the center of the Whirlpool galaxy. And when they were finally, to, when they were finally able to break down laminin and diagram what it looked like, they discovered this. Jesus signed his work. He signed his work in you. I didn't say this this morning, but there's somebody here tonight, you know who you are. You're running from God. You thought you pulled it off, but he's got you wrapped up. In fact, Paul said in Colossians 1, 17, he existed before anything else and he holds all creation together. Laminin literally holds us together. So no matter how far you go out, 
or no matter how much you look inside, you can't escape this man who created it all, came here to this planet, gave his life on a cross, rose from the dead, is preparing a place for us. And one, one day we'll come back and take us to be with him. His name is Jesus. You can't outrun his love and you can't outrun him. How great. I mean, how great is our God. Jesus, I want to pray right now and just ask you over these next few moments as we sit or stand or whatever, just as we reflect, may we acknowledge the fact that you are great. May we acknowledge the fact that your love is great. And may we acknowledge the fact that your love for us is great. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, as we just pause tonight and all acknowledge the fact that you're great. My head's bowed and eyes closed. There's people here tonight, and I know you're here because my phone has been blowing up with text messages all day with people who have said, I needed to hear that message. I've been questioning some things. I've been questioning my faith. I've been questioning, is it worth it? And you're here tonight. You've wrestled with doubt this week. Maybe you've wrestled with, why am I even alive this week? Tonight you came to church. You're gonna walk out. When you walk out, I don't know how you're gonna walk out, but you can't walk out thinking you're an accident. God custom designed you and don't believe the devil's lie well it's too late for me if it was too late he would take you out you got air in your lungs then there's still a purpose and there's still a plan you can't run 31 million light years away but if you could he would meet you there and your body's held together by his signature so maybe you've lost your connection to Christ. You're a Christian, but you've lost that connection. And right now, you can make where you stand, your personal altar, and say, Jesus, I'm coming back to you. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how, but I'm coming back. I'm going to make that turn. Maybe you're here tonight, and you've never prayed to receive Christ. You've never asked Jesus to come into your life. You've never thought about the fact that he created you, and he created you on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. And when you connect with him, you connect to his will for your life. And there's nothing greater than his will for your life. And you understand for the first time, maybe tonight, that you need to ask Christ to come in your life. If that's you, I want to invite you to pray a prayer and ask Jesus to come in your life. And we're going to ask you to do it out loud, but not by yourself. Because as a church family, we're going to pray this prayer with you. Our church family does this for the benefit of those that are praying this prayer for the first time. So if you're here tonight and you know you need Christ, you pray this prayer and we're gonna pray it with you to encourage you that you're making the right decision. Let's pray this together. Just say, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I'm a sinner. And I need you as my Savior. I need you as my Savior. I confess you as Lord. I confess you as Lord. 
and ask you to come into my life and ask you to come into my life and take over and take over I surrender everything I surrender everything in Jesus name I pray in Jesus name now with heads still bowed and eyes still closed if you just prayed that prayer and you just asked Christ into your life I want to pray for you I don't want to do it but I want you to I want you to right now just put your hand in the air if you just prayed that prayer because I want to pray with you amen amen Amen. Anybody else? Amen. Just keep them up. Keep them up. Father, I want to thank you tonight that you changed lives. Jesus, I want to thank you for salvation that has happened in this house all day today. God, I want to thank you for the for hope that you've given people all day today. Father, I want to thank you for the reconnection today. I want to thank you, Jesus, for the person that's in this room tonight that's that's been struggling with whether or not to even go on living. God, I want to thank you that you spoke to them tonight and helped them to realize, God, that you have a purpose and a plan for them. I want to thank you, Jesus, that no one can outrun your love. No one can outrun your grace. No one can outrun your mercy. Thank you, Jesus, that you have made yourself so clear. God, may we open our hearts, walk in surrender, and knowing that in you, the best is always yet to come. Everybody that agreed with his prayer said, amen and amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Me too. Don't miss part three next week. It's going to be amazing. Y'all have a great week.